I want to look in the camera at the back of the room this first Wednesday, and I want to say a huge happy first Wednesday to the chapel in Scott's edition. Come on, Midlothian, let's welcome them. We love you guys. <laughs> Glad you're with us. Come on, give it up for chapel in the lobby. Come on, lobby, wave at me here. And uh, man, all the things God's doing in our church. And I'm going to tell you about our guest speaker in just a second. It's going to be incredible, a word from God for us tonight. But if you are new here, first Wednesdays, we we uh, teach a little longer, worship a little. We take the seatbelt off a little more, you know. So if this makes you uncomfortable, you can come Sunday. We'll tone it down a little. But uh, uh, we just believe that Jesus has taken away our sins, and that's a reason for rejoicing, don't we? So. We're honored to have you here. I met a bunch of guests. What, what a joy to have you here. And I want to look in the camera and say, Chapel Scott's edition. Love you guys. Love what God's doing in the city. And if nobody's told you this week, I love you. I was thinking of, I was reading Philippians 1 today. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Um, because from the very first day, your partnership in the gospel. And then he said, it's right for me to feel this way about you. And so I just wanted to let you know. We love you. We, I mean, all, all, all Katie and I do is talk about you and think about you. And even your mom doesn't talk about you as much as me. And uh, so I just want you to know your love tonight. You're, one of, you're the greatest church, I think, around. And uh, so thank you for the way you love Jesus, for the way you serve Jesus, for the way we get to do this mission of what Jesus has called us to do and make disciples. And um, this weekend is really important. Would you be praying for the next four weeks in our church are really crucial as we uh, re reintroduce next which is a ministry two-year ministry plan that we began a year ago to uh, to make space for what God's doing in the life of our church and we're going to roll it out we're going to highlight what God's doing in four different areas of our church and next generation how many think it's pretty cool to see our students loving Jesus I know I know people man I mean there's nothing like seeing students on the ground come on sitting on the ground and, uh, and uh, proud of you proud of you proud of you guys. And I know a lot of people are hating on this generation, but God's raising up an army of young people that love Jesus and are passionate about him. I'm telling you, the church is in good hands in the future, isn't it? And and uh, so we honor, we'll talk about next gen, we'll talk about local missions, global missions. And, but one of the things we're going to roll out, and I just wanted to tell you, because First Wednesday is kind of like a family night, and that is that in the last three weeks, we have the greatest outreach opportunity in the history of our church open up to us. And it's really only a God thing that could have happened. And a couple of our team members went, met, uh, met with the director of um, uh, Department of Corrections in uh, Virginia. And uh, I just want you to know this, starting three weeks ago, uh, we have been mailing DVDs and are live streaming one hour of Chapel Church into, catch this, somebody, 42 Department of Corrections in Virginia. Oh, come on, somebody. Give God praise for that. I mean, that's like a miracle. That's like a miracle. Only the Lord can do that. And, uh, in fact, we got a letter from a guy named Robert. We, they've been starting to write us letters, and we're going to unpack all this, unveil all this over the coming weeks. They, our team met, and they said, hey, we see kind of how church goes into Chesterfield County Jail. Could we have some baptisms and services at different facilities around the state? We said yes, but we don't really know how we're going to do that, but we got to figure it out now. And uh, and so, but how many know you just have to walk through the door, God, God opens. And so that's what we're trying to do and be faithful. But I was reading a letter Pastor Jason actually gave me, written to us, and we're able to correspond with them. And uh, from a man named Robert, who is 52 years old, 
And he writes in the letter that he has been in prison, Red Onion, maximum uh, security prison for 32 years. And he talks about growing in his faith. He talks about having family members in Glen Allen. And I, I just want you to know, you've got a team that's now emailing and discipling Robert, who's been in prison for 32 years. And, and, we, and, and just to see what God's obviously done in an incredible way, Try Hope and Joel Hughes and Wendy and all the amazing things right over there. We really set the stage for this. The uh, Bible says, remember those in prison. And so that's what we're going to do. And so uh, on, you'll hear us on the weekends, not only welcoming Chesterfield County Jail, but Virginia Department of Corrections. And that's what that is. And let me tell you one other fun thing about this. And then I'm going to introduce our speaker. And that is um, in Chesterfield County Jail, we go in and Joel leads really a kind of a service showing it. It's different in all the other prisons in that there are DVDs. They needed DVDs. We had to explain to our team what those are. And, uh, but uh, they, they show an hour of church in their cell. And so this isn't even church services. This is in their cell. Come on. One hour of forced Jesus. And uh, you might have a problem with that. I don't. And uh, so just we're going right to them. And just think of this. Just think of this statistic. 24,000 men and women in Virginia Department of Corrections. So who knows what the Lord will do with all of this, but what a great opportunity. I just wanted to pause and say thank you to those of you that love and pray and serve and give. You're making a difference not only in this city, but God's opening up a, a wide door, like the scripture says, for us to go into the prison. So love you. We're gonna roll that out church-wide, but I just thought I'd roll it, up, roll it out to a couple people on first Wednesday. And uh, so turn to the person next to you and tell them that's pretty cool. Come on, tell them that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I want to introduce our speaker tonight. Pastor Nate Clark is uh, the senior pastor of Oasis Church in Richmond, Virginia, and incredible, incredible church. And uh, it started about five or six months before COVID. Okay. How many know that's a bad deal to have COVID? You're in a rented school. You can't have church. And, 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 you know, a lot of churches, believe it or not, that were just getting started during that time, um, a lot of them uh, didn't even make it through that. But in three weeks, Oasis Church is going from not only one morning service to two morning services because of the growth that's happening there. And he's really, I mean, man, he's a great preacher, and he's got a few of his leaders with him tonight. Would you do me a, a favor tonight, Chapel, in uh, Scott's Edition Lobby here in Midlow? Could we join uh, together and give a big welcome to Pastor Nate Clark? Amen. You can have your seat. So good to be with you this evening, Chapel, here in Midlow in the lobby. You guys are crazy. Tell Scott's addition, so special. Pastor Brandon, Katie, thank you guys so much. It's an honor to be here. I was I was thinking during the worship, book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter six. He's building a wall around the city. He's doing God's work, and enemies are coming and trying to like distract him and call him down to stop the work. Come down, come down, and he sends messengers to them, and he says, "Tell them this." I can't come down because I'm doing an important work. I tell him again, come on, come on, come on. Four times in a row, I can't come down. What I'm doing is so important, I won't be distracted by anything else. 
And I was just thinking about you guys and what God is doing here. And if you're new, especially, or maybe you just started coming here in this season, you haven't got plugged in yet. I just want to tell you what you're doing here is an important work. What's an important work? I just pray that spirit kind of gets on your heart to say, hey, this is an important work. I can't come down. I can't be distracted by lesser things. I can't, I can't turn my attention elsewhere because what God is doing here is an important, important work. Honored to be here tonight. I want to share a few scriptures to start us out with. Jeremiah 32, 27 says this. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. And then I love this question. Look at this. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Job chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. If I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Anybody grateful that God performs wonders that can't be fathomed? Miracles that can't be counted. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Tonight I want to talk about how God does miracles. How God does miracles. And right out of the gate, I want to be really straightforward with my goal and my intention and my prayer surrounding our time around God's word tonight. My, my prayer is that you would believe God for great miracles in your life. You would believe God for great miracles in your life, that your faith, that you wouldn't just believe in your head, but you believe in your heart, God is a miracle working God. You would believe there is nothing God cannot do. He's a miracle working God. And maybe for many of us tonight, you hear that and you say, yes and amen. There is nothing my God can't do. I believe in miracles. God can do the miraculous and the supernatural because that's who he is. But maybe there's a few here this evening that would be a little hesitant around the idea of the fact that God could do miraculous things. Yeah, I have faith. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Thank God for you know, the blood and the body broken, communion we just remembered. Thankful for the forgiveness. But like the, the miracle thing, like, you know, you guys Pentecostal or something? Like, what? I don't know about that. I, I haven't really seen that. Like, I'm a little bit hesitant to believe some of the stories. You know, can God really do all that? Can God really do the miracles? And if you have a little hint of doubt tonight, I would like to uh, firmly push against that doubt. If, if, if you believe the God of the Bible, if you believe the scriptures tonight, here's a brief flyover of what we believe, okay? Let's just go with me here really quick. Here's a brief flyover of what we believe about the God of the Bible, that there was nothing, the scriptures call it ex nihilo in the Hebrew. It means God created the world ex nihilo. It's a Hebrew phrase that means out of nothing. God made something from nothing. He didn't take something and alter it. He made everything from nothing. He spoke and the world came to be. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that he created man from the dust and he gave him breath that gave him life. That God is our creator. We are made uniquely in his image. But man sinned and messed it up, yet God had a plan of redemption. Anybody grateful for that? God had a plan of redemption. Uh, through his plan of redemption, he called an elderly man named Abram and his wife Sarah, and they were past their childbearing years. But God told him, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make your uh, inheritance numerous. And, and it, it, it was past what would have been possible 
but they believed God, and from Abram, God brought about a great nation, a people. This nation, they ended up in bondage in Egypt, and God called out a man who was stuttering and scared, and he called to him from a burning bush and told him to go up here before Pharaoh. And God, with his mighty hand and outstretched arm, with signs and wonders, he freed his people from bondage in Egypt. While they're on the way to the promised land, God fights for his people. He fights for his people. He makes a way where there seemed to be no way. He parted the waters of the Red Sea. He brought food, manna from the sky. He brought water from a rock. Stone walls came falling down. The sun stood still so that they could win a battle. There was fire by night and a cloud by day. God led his people into the land he had for them. There were prophets of old that prophesied about the coming Messiah. And after hundreds of years of silence, there's a virgin teenager who an angel appears to and tells she will become pregnant with the Son of God. And that virgin teenager gives birth to a baby who grown men travel to worship and bring gifts to of great value. This young boy grows up in wisdom and stature. He recruits 12 people that would have been seen uh, as outcasts and would not have likely been chosen for the A-team. And he uses this group of people to perform signs and wonders. Lame people begin to walk. Dead people were raised to life. Hungry crowds were fed with Lunchables. Blind people began to see. Miracles were done. And this man, after three years of public ministry, died on a cross between two thieves and his lifeless body was put into a tomb with a rock rolled in front of it. And we believe that that stone three days later was rolled away and his lifeless body rose from the dead. And he appeared to people in the flesh to show and demonstrate that he is indeed alive, that he has risen from the grave. And that group of people go to an upper room where the spirit descends after Jesus had already gone back to the Father. And thousands of years later, we are here in central Virginia gathered around this name because the movement that started then has yet to be stopped by any amount of persecution or political is yet to be stopped. Okay. So, you believe that, but you don't believe in miracles. This whole thing is a miracle. The, the entire thing is, is, is a miracle story. In fact, the Christian faith is a miraculous faith. The, the historical event that our entire faith hinges upon is the resurrection of Christ. The, the anchor for this thing, for our faith, is indeed a miracle in and of itself. Our faith is a miracle faith. Our God is a God who was raised from the dead. This whole thing is miracles. It's nothing but miracles. And so tonight, I want to build your faith to believe God for the miraculous in your life. I'm talking about, I'm talking about miracles that scare you. I'm talking about miracles that you're hesitant to tell people because it like, it's on the line of like sounding a little ridiculous. Anybody ever like just dreamed of something or feel like God has challenged you for something? You're like, yep, that's past the crazy line. I don't know. <laughs> There's some things that feel appropriate to say by faith and other things are like, okay, yeah, but that's... 
Man, I'm just challenging you. Like, believe that there's nothing God can't do. Believe that there's nothing too hard for God. Believe that the supernatural God that did everything that we see from the scriptures, that, that he's alive today. His spirit is alive today. His spirit lives on the inside of us. His word is alive and active. And, and the heart of God wants to move in and through his people today. Let's believe God for miracles. And if I'm going to err on any side, I want to err on the side of crazy. I want to err on the side of believing God for something that scares me. I want to believe God for things that it's just it's God. There's no human explanation for it. I want to believe God for miracles. Tonight specifically, I want to look at, as we're building our faith to believe God for miracles, I want to look at how God does miracles. Because it's important to know, as you're believing God for miracles, it helps to know how God does it, so that when God's doing it, you have the spiritual eyes to see God's working here. God's working here. So there's, there's three ways that I've got this evening that I want to, teach us about how God performs miracles, how he does it. And I believe that God's doing these things in your life. I know God's doing these things in this church. And so three ways God does miracles. The first way God does miracles is this. God does miracles through processes over time. God does miracles through processes over time. You know, if I were to describe the day we live in and the pace of it uh, and just the current culture, I'd say it is a technological age. Right? It's not a stretch to say that, right? It's a technological age. Technology is great. All of our lives benefit from it. But what it's done is it's created a need for us to get things quick and efficient and quicker and more efficient. I love books, and if I'm talking to somebody and they, you know, we're talking about a good book and they read a good book, I'll stop the conversation. You know, if I'm convinced I should read this book, you know, I'm always looking for book recommendations, okay? And so if I'm talking to somebody and they're like this book and they've convinced me, I'll just stop the conversation and say, hold on one second, uh, hold that thought. I'll pull out my phone and I'll pull up my Amazon app, and I've done this, I've, I've got tons of practice in this. In, in less than 45 seconds, I got the book ordered. It's like, boom, I got the app on my home screen. Boom, type it in, type it in. Boom, okay, tomorrow. Like, in 45 seconds, tomorrow, the book's on the way. And then I'll be like, all right, let's continue. If you, if you got a good book, find me after service. I'll show you. I'll get it, I'll get it this week, right? It's quick, right? It's quick. And if, if it's like three-day shipping, I'm like, well, I need a different distributor. What are they doing? <laughs> right? It's quick. I need it quick, efficient, quick, fast. Like, everything is instant, right? Like, uh, we just got an Instapot. <laughs> Instapot, you know. It's, I, I don't really know how to use it yet. I'm still watching the little videos and stuff. But it's like, Instapot, there's this air fryer thing that they were talking about with it, with the double sides, and boom. You know, oh, no, Crock-Pots, no, nah, forget Crock-Pots. Those take forever. Those are ancient. Instapots, boom, just quick, you know, right away. Everything's quick. It's got to be now. If it's, if it's any delay, you're quickly frustrated. You know, it's, it's the newest update, the newest thing. Come on, come on. And it's, it's delayed our ability to wait on things. I'm a sports guy. I love sports. Every day before high school growing up, I used to watch SportsCenter, come downstairs early, watch SportsCenter, see the highlight reels and the highlights and all the games and all the games. And I turned on SportsCenter the other day, and I watched for 35 minutes. I didn't see one highlight. They were just talking. 
I'm like, what is this? They're not even, they're not even showing sports anymore. They're just talking. And I realized why. Because when a highlight happened the night before, it was on Instagram in eight minutes. So they had already seen the highlights. Like anybody, they had already seen the highlights from before. I was, I was talking to my dad about it. You know, he still gets the newspaper and stuff. And so it was like, if the, game, if the game went too late, they didn't print it the next day. So my dad's finding out like 36 hours later about the two nights ago game, <laughs> you know. I'm like, who does that anymore? Like, Sports Center's not even showing highlights the next morning because it's already too late. It's already, it's already online. It's already been posted on the Instagrams and the Reels and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's quick. It's instant. And uh, if, if your phone's not updated quick, uh, you just update it. If it's three-day shipping, find a different distributor. If, if it's too outdated, get a new one. Quick, quick, quick. Technological. Our problem is we, we live like this in our everyday practical lives, which again, that's fine. But the problem is we must realize that the kingdom of God is not technological, it's agricultural. This is not how God works. God doesn't work technological. So many of the parables and the principles of the kingdom of God, when God speaks of it, is, is agriculture. It's, hey, there's a farmer. There's a farmer. There's some seed. There's some soil. There's some process. And you know, in 2020, me and my wife, we started a little garden in our backyard, and last year we got some chickens, and so I'm a country boy now. Come on. <laughs> I didn't realize, I didn't realize that would make me wealthy this year. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Yeah. So, but like agriculture, farming, right? Like what does a farmer have to do? Well, he has to say, okay, what's the season? Okay, well, it's, it's planting season, so I'm going to get some seed, and I'm going to Put it in the soil, and after I put it in the soil, what do I do now? Well, I, I have to wait. Maybe next day or next week I'll have to water it, fertilize, pull some weeds, wait, wait, wait. Like nobody puts a seed in the ground on a Monday and runs out on Tuesday with the baskets ready to get the harvest and looking at the dirt saying, what's going on? No, 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 because a farmer understands there are seasons and processes to this work. And, and so what season is it? Well, it might be planting season. It might be waiting season. And, and for harvest season, then you go out with expectation to reap the harvest that you have planted. God is a God of process. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 6. He says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He's introducing the principle of sowing and reaping. And notice what he says in verse 7 before he says, a man reaps what he sows. He says, don't be deceived. Notice the only reason you have to say don't be deceived is because you know they might be deceived. If, if he didn't think people would be deceived by this, he wouldn't have to say it. So he doubles down and says, hey, don't think you're the exception to this. God cannot be mocked. Don't be deceived. Don't think otherwise. A man reaps what he sows. That's how the kingdom of God works. Sowing and sowing and waiting and tending the soil, tending the soil and sowing and sowing. And in due time harvest. But it's a process. It's a process. God does miracles 
over time. Did you know God's not in as big of a hurry as you are? I just want to set some of you free tonight that are just, just, God's not in as big of a hurry as you are. He's, he's not rushed. He's not anxious. God can do a miracle over time. I think about Joseph in the scripture. Dream from God, vision from God. He's going to be in a place of authority. He's going to be in a position that God puts him there. I think about Joseph. Wow, dream from God. Wow, God's going to do the miraculous. God's going to take this man and put him where he couldn't put himself. Wow, God. Next chapter, thrown into a pit, abandoned by his family. Next chapter, sold into slavery, serving Potiphar's house. Next chapter, falsely accused of sexually harassing Potiphar's wife. Next chapter, put in prison. Next chapter, forgotten in prison. Next chapter, next chapter, next chapter. And eventually he ends up where he had the dream and the vision where God would have for him. And so my question is, is it any less miraculous just because it took time? Is, is it any less significant? Was it any less uh, God-ordained? Was God any less involved just because it was an instant? And the answer is no way. Why? Because God performs miracles over time. Through a process, through seasons. Even Jesus himself coming to earth the way he did shows God is a God of seasons and process. Did you know Jesus didn't come to earth as a 33-year-old? Now, he did his atoning work on the cross that we remembered tonight through communion. He, he did that, right, in his 30s, but Jesus didn't come as a 33-year-old. Jesus didn't come as a 30-year-old and begin his ministry. How did he come? He came as an infant. The, the nature of even how God came was God declaring, I work and operate in rhythms and seasons. I came as an infant. I grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God, in favor with man. There's there's years of his life growing up we don't even have recorded or know about. Why? Because Jesus is growing and he's developing. And as he begins his public ministry, we see even then there's, there's years of public ministry where Jesus is saying, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. I do what the Father has ordained me to do. My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. What is Jesus saying? He's saying God's plan is a process plan. It's taking time. Just because it takes time doesn't mean it's any less miraculous. It's not a JV miracle just because it takes years. God is working miracles over time. In fact, oftentimes it's God's process and it's time that God is using as his protection for us. God will use the miracle of time and process to protect his people from things that will hurt them. He's telling his people in the book of Exodus 23, they're taking land, they're on the way to the promised land, and God's telling them he's going to drive out the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and all these enemy people that are in front of them, God said, hey, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to stretch out my mighty arm and prepare a land for you. But here's what God says in Exodus 23, verse 29. I will not drive them out in a single year. I noticed nobody posts this one online right here. Nobody does this. God's like, hey, I'm going to do it, but it's going to take a while. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. 
He's saying, hey, I could and am very capable of clearing the land instantly for you. But for your protection and benefit, little by little, I'll drive them out. Because if I did it all at once, the land would become desolate and the animals too numerous and it would swallow you. So for your protection, I'm going to perform a miracle over a period of time so that when you get there, you get there well. It's God saying, my process is my protection over you. So so hear me. If you're trying to rush God, you're doing it to your own detriment. If, If you're trying to accelerate the timeline of God, you're doing it to your own detriment. If the devil can't slow you down, he'll speed you up. He'll speed you up. I'm I'm trying to encourage you tonight. Just because it takes time doesn't mean it's less miraculous. It's miraculous. God's hand is on it. God's, God's power is involved and it will come to pass. But many times God does miracles over time, over time. So, so what do you need to do as a result of the fact that God does miracles over time? It's really simple. Just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward today. Keep moving forward tomorrow. Keep moving forward this year. Keep moving forward next year. And it's amazing, you'll look back over seasons and you'll be like, look what the Lord has done over a period of time just because I kept going. Kept going. Telling you, God does miracles through process and over time. The second way God does miracles is he performs miracles through our participation. Through our participation. There's blessings and miracles that every single person alive today on planet earth, across every nation, tribe, and tongue, there are blessings and graces from God that every single person gets to partake in. This is a theological term that scholars call uh, common grace. They call it common grace. And it's this concept that regardless of who you are, you get to just enjoy grace from God. Like, for example, if you have breath in your lungs, that's grace from God. You don't have to be a believer tonight. There's, There's believers all over the world tonight that have breath in their lungs as a grace gift from God, whether they're a believer or not, righteous or not, serving God or not, just breath in your lungs. Like how many know uh, you don't have to be a believer to eat a nice steak and say, praise God, that was awesome. <laughs> it's called common grace, right? Common grace. Anybody can partake in a great steak and be like, this was amazing. Like anybody can look at a beautiful sunset, whether you're a believer or not or love God or not, you can look at a beautiful sunset and say, wow, look at Look at that. That's amazing. Like when you're headed west on Hall Street in rush hour. I grew up in Chesterfield. I know what's up. I know what y'all do. I got out and moved to the north side. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. I know what y'all had to deal with. Going, you, you, You're just sitting there. You're just sitting away, and you see the beautiful sunset. Like anybody, Christian or not, you can enjoy that. That's common grace. God is so good and so gracious. There's common grace for things for everybody. But there are other blessings and other things God has that are reserved for his people who obey him and participate in his work and follow his word. There are things that God has for his people that are not for everyone, and they come by our obedience and our participation with what he's doing. Here's what he tells his people in Deuteronomy 28. He says, if you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully follow 
all his commands I give you, the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Right? So he's saying, hey, I've got things for you, but I need you to obey. I've got things for you if you heed my instruction and listen to my word. The prophet Isaiah says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good things of the land. This is God saying, hey, there are blessings from obedience. There, there are things I have for you that, that you will walk in that if you don't obey me, you won't walk in. How many know there's blessing from obedience to God? There's blessing in heeding his instruction and coming underneath the counsel of the Lord and his word. God will do miracles by inviting our participation and our obedience with him. God, I see your word. God, I hear your spirit. God, I know you're asking this of me. And so by faith, I'm going to obey and involve myself in what you're doing, knowing that you'll bless it and be in it. God does miracles through our participation, through our participation. God's ability to bless and protect, to a certain extent, it's contingent upon our ability to obey. I've got a 10-year-old at home, and how many know uh, he's, he's full of energy and crazy, and sometimes he'll get up on the little island in our kitchen and just dance up on the island. And depending on what we've got going on that night in dinner, sometimes there's pots and pans and other things that are potentially harmful <laughs> in the vicinity. And I'm across the living room looking at him up on the island uh, full of potential dangerous scenarios. And I'll tell him like, like, Silas, stop, get down. Silas, stop, get down. How many know my ability to protect him in that moment is contingent upon his ability to heed my instruction? Right? Like, like if, he, if he desires to not heed to it, my ability to protect him right then and there is limited. Why? Because his invo- he's not involved in what I'm instructing. So it is with God. God says, I, I've got things for my kids. I've got things that I want to do in and through their life for the kingdom, for their good, for their benefit. And I'm, I'm asking your participation. I'm asking you be involved. God gives his word to his people so that we can listen and obey. I think about Jesus turning water into wine. He gathers the disciples and say, hey, go fill those up. He's asking their participation. I think about the catch of fish from the disciples. Jesus says, hey, cast a net on the other side. What is he doing? He's saying, hey, involve yourself. I'm, I'm asking you to do something to participate in the miracle. For the feeding of the 5,000, he says, hey, have them seated, sit them down and distribute. He's involving them. I think about the blind man. Jesus says, go wash the mud off your eyes. Participate in what I'm doing. Think about Acts chapter 12 when Peter's let out of prison. Um, He's not just freed from the angel, but the angel says, hey, get up, grab your cloak, grab your sandals. What is he doing? He's saying, hey, I want you to have some involvement in what I'm doing. I'll open the gates, but you grab your sandals. I'll free you from the chains, but you grab your cloak. Get involved in what I'm doing. I think about the man with the shriveled hand in the temple. He would have had his hand hidden in his coat because it would have been a sign of weakness and he would have been seen as unclean if his shriveled hand would have been revealed. And what does Jesus say? He says, stretch out your hand. Reveal the weak, uh, the, 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 the parts of you that are fragile and unclean. He's asking for involvement from people. 
Involve yourself. So what is the Spirit of God saying? Say yes. What is the Word of God instructing? Say yes. Because blessing and miracles follow obedience to Him. What miracles in your life have you not experienced because you've yet to heed the instruction of God? I'm telling you, there's miracles on the other side of listening to God and doing what He says. And so how do we respond? Well, For the God of process, we keep moving forward. And when God does miracles through our participation, all we do is we listen and we obey. God, what is your word saying? God, what is your spirit saying in this season? God, where are you leading me? My answer is yes. My answer is yes. Because God, I know you bless obedience. God, I know where I'm obedient to your word. You're with me. And your, your covering and power is with me as I obey. So God does miracles over time. He does miracles through our obedience. And the third way God does miracles is this. He does them suddenly and supernaturally. I reject the notion tonight that all growth in my life has to be incremental. Sometimes it can be exponential. I reject the notion that all progress in my life has to be addition in steps but sometimes it can be multiplication. Because there's some scenarios that I've run into in my life and there's some situations in your life. Say, man, God's a God of process. God's a God that takes time. And you say, Nate, that's really great, but I don't have time. Some of you, you're just out of time. God does miracles through obedience and you say, yeah, I've been faithful. Good news tonight is God does some miracles suddenly and supernaturally. He does some miracles where a phone call accomplishes more in eight minutes than you've been striving for for eight years. He he does some miracles on the inside of us and around our lives that are not incremental timing growth. It is exponential. It is quick. It is accelerated. It is supernatural. It is from the outside. People say, that's God. It's God. Think about Acts chapter number three. There's a lame man begging outside of the temple gates. He's begging for alms. This man has been there for years. He's been there for decades. And Peter and John look at him. They say, hey man, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Luke in Acts chapter 3 verse 7 describes it. It says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So the author of this text is Luke. He is a doctor in the Greek language there in the text. He's describing when it says his feet and ankles became strong. He's medically describing his joints and tendons and his bones that had never worked and never had strength and never functioned in that way. As he's helping him up with his right hand, there is a medical miracle in his legs. How many? Suddenly. He had been begging for years. Boom. Exponential. Boom. God can do miracles Think about Zacchaeus, man, a thief, a crook, a liar in his heart. He he lived and operated with the mindset, how how can I 
take advantage of people for my own benefit and gain. That's the way he thought. That's what was in his heart. And, and he meets Jesus. And immediately he moves from greed and selfishness to, to generosity and making things right. How many know that was not a process he went in over time? That was immediately, supernaturally, his heart had changed. And for some of you, there's things where even internally, in your own mind, in your own heart, you've been praying and working at towards years, and I'm praying that God will give you faith to believe for supernatural progress, accelerated progress, exponential progress. God, do what only you could do. God, accelerate it in such a way that only you could accelerate it because you're a miracle working God. Think about the Apostle Paul. Before he had his name changed, he was Saul, and he was a ringleader, a persecutor of the church. He had a religious conviction that what he was doing was right. And God meets him on the road to Damascus and suddenly and supernaturally, his heart and his mind is transformed. And the rest of his life looked different. Why? Because God's got the power to do that. God's got the power to suddenly and supernaturally perform miracles in my life, in my mind, in my spirit, and through my life. So I don't know where you are tonight, but I... I want to challenge you to have faith that God can do miracles. I want to ask the Spirit of God to open up your spiritual eyes to see that for those of you that are in a process right now, God's working. He's working. He's working. And it's going to take some more time, but He's involved and He's working. And I want to pray that God will give some of us faith here tonight to believe that supernaturally and suddenly in this season, God can do what only God can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand to your feet here in Midlothian and Scott's edition. I want to pray for us this evening. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and just open your heart with the posture of faith. The posture of faith tonight. I want you even to recall in your mind the cross of Christ. If your faith is running empty tonight, I want to point you back towards the cross because the cross is the great reminder that God's the God of miracles. It's the great reminder that nothing is too hard for our God. It's a great reminder that God took care of our greatest need on the cross. And if he took care of that need, he is, he is faithful to take care of every other need in our life. I want to ask tonight if there's anybody here that you say, man, Nate, I'm up against something in my life where I need a suddenly and a supernaturally and I don't have time and I've done everything that I know to do, but I'm just believing God to do what only he could do in my life. Would you just wave at me so I can see who I'm praying for tonight? You need God to do a miracle in your life. You need God to do a miracle in your life. Thank you, thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters tonight in the room, for those in the lobby, those at Scott's Edition. Lord, I pray that you would fill their hearts with faith tonight. Lord, I pray you would turn their eyes back to the cross of Christ tonight to realize you're a faithful God. You're a powerful God. You're, you're a great God. Lord, we, we ask tonight to give us faith to believe you for the miraculous. Lord, I pray for those tonight who, who are weary and downcast and feel like their faith is empty. Lord, we know you said if we just have faith the size of a mustard seed, it can move mountains. So Lord, we bring the little faith we have to you tonight and say, God, do with it what you will. Lord, we know you're a miracle working God. We know you're a powerful God. We know you're a great God. We know there is nothing too hard for you. So tonight, fill our hearts with faith, Lord, that you can do it. Lord, Lord, Fill us with faith tonight. Lord, I pray for those who are, who are gripped with doubt tonight. Lord, would the chains of doubt be broken off in Jesus' name. Lord, Lord would the chains 
of, of fear be broken off in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray faith would fill our hearts. Lord, we expect you to move. We expect you to move. Lord, I pray for those who, who are continuing to serve you and faithfully pursue you, God. They're in a process. Lord, I pray tonight they would not grow weary in doing good. God, give us a steadfast spirit tonight. God, give us a persevering spirit tonight. God, give us a consistent, faithful spirit tonight. Lord, faith tonight to keep going. Lord, faith tonight to stand up again. Faith tonight to believe again. Faith tonight to, to pray again and fight again. To continue to fight the good fight that so, so that at the proper time, Lord, we would reap a harvest if we do not give up. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's respond and worship together this evening.